Okay, welcome to episode 82 of the United podcast, a podcast where sport has finally returned. There was um, football in Korea, and obviously the for the UFC viewers out there, the UFC obviously returned yesterday. You catch any of it, Larry, that Korean football match? I don't know who was playing, but there was a match on Optus. Oh, captivating television, Tom. I have no idea. The only thing of Korea that I consume is fried chicken. So you're asking the wrong guy. But it's great to hear that sport is returning in some sort. And hopefully that means we could potentially get football. Maybe, possibly, but probably not. Well, we'll get into it. It's, um, we're going to not change things up for the podcast, but obviously with the lack of football, we are running short on to the talking points. So we're going to open this podcast up a little, not just United-based. Um, looking at things across the league. So we're going to look at all the stuff in terms of Project Restart and the Brighton players, the situation of Brighton, etc., the neutral ground debate and all that. But just on there, just what, what I mentioned at the start um, during the intro, that um, not just football returned, but one of the big ones was the UFC on the weekend. And the reason I want to bring that up, obviously I'm a big fan of it, so as you, I'm not sure who of our viewers are, but I think that is an interesting talking point um, one of the fighters, a big, big fighter, a Brazilian called Jacare Souza, um, was tested positive the day before the fight. Um, they were doing their weigh-ins. He, he weighed in. He did his face off with his opponent, and there he is with his mask and gloves, and does his fist bump on the sort of on the face-offs. Fist bumps with Dana White, etc. Who then fist bumps the, his opponent and does that with all the other fighters. And then a couple of hours later, Jacare gets tested positive for coronavirus. So his fight is then cancelled. And then it throws in jeopardy the whole card. Well, you think, well, who's he come into contact with? Because one, he's just then shaking hands with Dana White, who has obviously been in contact with the, all, the, all the other fighters. Do they now need to go into self-isolation? And it just threw, threw this spanner in the works for a couple of hours. Now, obviously, the event went ahead. But I think the reason I bring it up is it sort of highlights how quickly a little incident like that can change things. So we think we're... I think last week on the podcast, we are talking about a return to football. We're thinking, yeah, it's potentially turning the corner, potentially getting closer. But I see an incident like that, and I think, geez, we are no closer. And especially we'll get into the UK government sort of announcement over the last couple of days. And I'm starting to think this null and void um, scenario is becoming more and more likely. Um, your thoughts on sort of that thing with the UFC over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, it's a hard one. The UFC is a little bit different. And, like, this is me just trying to give an alternative perspective. Uh, the UFC is a little different because, obviously, they do the weigh-ins. And I don't know what sort of protocols they would have had to follow prior to the event. Um, you know, whether they did testing two weeks out. Because, obviously, they say symptoms don't present themselves within a 14-day period. So there's that to consider. But... Yeah, it's insane, but uh, you would think that if whether it's football, UFC, or any sport, even um, I know you don't care for it. Like I'm a WWE fan; they've been continuing behind closed doors. Um, you'd think that if you're gonna put on an event, there needs to be some sort of testing at least two weeks prior to the event. Then that way, if someone does test positive, you know you're well aware of it. Um, we're quite blessed in Australia. I think our testing's well ahead in terms of what we can offer and how quickly the turnaround is compared to other countries. But that's the challenge and that's the risk to your point. It just, it can spread so easily. But I think there you look at it, you can get all the testing involved, you can get all the protocol in place to make it as safe as possible. And then you say, okay, everyone's been in the clear for two weeks. 
but then a day before the match where all the all the fixtures have been aligned, everyone's in place to get started again, and one person gets it, what happens then? I think it just opens up. Look, and again, they're two different cases, UFC and Premier League football, completely different. However, the disease is different among humans. Like it spreads the same. So um, we'll get into it in a little bit, but I'm, that sort of incident there over the weekend really sort of hit home with me thinking we are no closer to football, unfortunately. But um, we'll see. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the whole thing regarding the Premier League and Project Restart. By the time you listen to this, there might be an update from the Premier League. I'm not sure they are having a um, a project restart meeting in England, um, probably at the time of recording, probably. So hopefully there is an update. But um, just bear in mind, we are speaking before the meeting has taken place. But um, I think a little bit on the Boris Johnson Boris Johnson announcement. Um, do you hear anything or see any of the statements he made in regards to where the UK are in lifting their restrictions? I've seen very minimal. Uh, the only thing I know, we spoke about this beforehand. Um, I saw Gary Neville tweet um, how you can play sport with people within the same household. And he's saying that Sky Sports are putting in a bid between uh, Gary Neville and Phil Neville <laughs> to see uh, mm-hmm. to have a one-on-one match. So uh, that would be captivating television. <laughs> or perhaps it's the only sport we'll get. But the, other than that, no, I, I haven't really seen too much. Well, from what I've seen, and again, didn't sort of get a transcript of his whole speech, and he's obviously not going to bring up a return to Premier League football in when he's addressing the nation. However, in the points he did lift, in the points he did make, and in terms of the restrictions that have been lifted, it doesn't tick any boxes for Premier League football to return. Like he's saying, yes, sport can return. You can go kick a ball at the park. However, you can only kick a ball at the park with someone in your family. So... Um, if the Premier League was hoping for some type of um, restriction to be lifted, um, they were going to be sort of devastated at the latest announcement. I'm not, I'm not sure where the UK currently sit in regards to if their death rate is going up or down, etc. Um, hopefully it is going down, but it's, um, as I said, and we're going to get into it, we'll have a bit of a prediction later maybe, but you sort of you cast your mind back to last week and we'll sort of maybe thinking about the turn in the corner in regards to getting closer to football. Just still confident that you kind of see sort of mid-June, early July, or do you think it's maybe taken a bit of a backward step? They're in a difficult situation, the Premier League. Uh, they're dying to play, that's clear as day. Uh, to what you've just said, they're going to have another meeting, which will probably be, I think, the third meeting in the space of a week. So, they're, look, they're trying, but... We just keep hearing, and I know we'll touch on it, uh, players are getting this virus. Um, you know, we've touched on the UFC and what's happened there. And and just from what I'm seeing from Johnson, I, I know they're desperate, and I know money ha- plays a part. I still think there's a chance, Tom, and the only reason I say that is because UK government um, representatives have openly said they want the Premier League to come back. Well, not openly said, but it's well-known knowledge that they want the Premier League to come back. They've said, we need it back to lift the spirits of the nation. Uh, and look, money will come into it. The um, You know, the Premier League will have sway. They'll say, you know, in terms of the economy, we bring a lot of tourists to this country, which no doubt they do. I mean, Tom, be honest, without the Premier League, does England really offer much to you? Because personally, not really. Um... So that's the thing, I just, I, I don't, look, it's more unlikely than likely, but while there's a will, there's a way, I, I don't, I'm not going to rule it out just yet. 
Well, we'll get into a few things in regards to you just mentioned certain clubs and obviously a different situation for clubs at the top and clubs facing relegation. So we'll get into that in, in a little bit. But just before, just quickly touch on, and we won't go into too much detail because there isn't too much detail, but it's come out that three Brighton players have been tested positive for coronavirus. And the main thing I want to talk about there, okay, you think, okay, that's great, they're probably already in quarantine, already self-isolated like every other player in the league. So I'd like to think that it won't have too much of an effect in terms of like, okay, all the Brighton players now have to go into quarantine. I'm sure that's not the case, but it sort of opens up that idea of something like that happening. My main concern, and I don't know if it's a concern, but I just mentioned there earlier in regards to the UFC fighter, Jacare, you look back at when this whole thing was started and we found out Mikhail Arteta had coronavirus. You look at the Juventus players who were named like Pablo, Pablo Dybala who's got coronavirus and he sort of hasn't got rid of it for a couple of weeks or probably a couple of months now. I'm just thinking your opinion now, okay, these Brighton players weren't named, but in terms of the confidentiality of sort of just medical um, information in general now, it seemed quite common knowledge who has what now. I'm just thinking it's sort of a sudden change overnight. Um, whether you think this is necessary or it's weird how it's happened or it's a good thing or it sh- should be kept confidential or just your general thoughts on it? Uh, look, the, res- the, the privacy of everyone should be respected. Whether you're famous and you earn millions of dollars or... You're uh, two local people from uh, Western Sydney like ourselves. But unfortunately, these guys are public figures and it's just going to get out. We heard about Paolo Dybala, we heard about Mikel Arteta, we heard about um, Hudson Odoi. It just... Whatever you're famous, unfortunately, there just seems to be a breach of privacy that comes along with that. And look, it does... On a positive spin, Tom, I think it's good that we know because well, that, that's maybe the thing. Do you, do you, it that's does... the thing. Do you think that this type of virus, this type of situation, calls for this this information to be out there? While it is in sort of in conflict with someone's privacy, maybe because it is such unprecedented times that maybe we do the public does need to know who has it. I think so, because unfortunately, you're seeing it. We saw it on the weekend here. People are still so ignorant about this virus, and they think if they haven't had it or if they haven't been impacted by it or a family member been impacted by it, they almost think they're immune to it, and I think that that's wrong. So maybe with footballers getting it, you're realising, hey, I'm, I'm a human being just like these guys are. You know, we need to treat this seriously, and I'm dying for football to come back. I'm bored out of my mind, but health has to come first, doesn't it? Yeah, it's um, interesting, and I think look, we've all sort of sort of looked at different sort of news articles and who's contracted it and everything over the past couple of months now. I'm sure it's only a matter of days now until someone at um, at Man United gets it. I haven't heard of anything, but it's seemingly everyone's getting it. And you just think, will our opinion change if a Man United player um, is one to contract or a Man United staff member, etc.? Um, it'll be interesting because at the moment we're looking at it sort of from the outside, but when, okay, if, so let's say, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets it, we're not directly impacted. However, which we've stated before, it almost feels like a family. So when someone you do care about does get it, will your opinion change? Um, it's interesting. Tom, can I ask you, I'll ask you this question. Do you agree, because I don't want to get too political here, so let's keep it in the concept of football. There has to come a point where you have to say, Yes, health does come first, but this virus is going to be with us. 
until there's a vaccine, this virus is just going to be a part of our lives, whether we want it to be or not. Now, there will be a new normal, but again, it's going to be with us. So with that in mind, at what point do you draw the line? Because if we're doing this for argument's sake, we're saying health comes first, potentially null and void the season. That, that's the argument you're hearing from some people. My argument to that would be, and I'm not saying this is what I believe, but just for the sake of an argument, is if this virus is going to be with us, whether we kick off and resume the season in a month's time or we do it again in three months' time, the risk of the virus will always be there, will it not? So with that in mind, and the football will be played behind closed doors, what difference does it really make whether we kick off in a month or in three months? I think that's yeah, 100%. I think the thing is, they can start tomorrow. The English Premier League can start tomorrow. You can balance it up in terms of what is safe. You could, you could pass a test and say it is safe. You could give it another test and it would fail that, fail that test and it would be unsafe. So there's nothing in regards to that. But people say, like, you can't play football when people are dying. Well, we're playing football when thousands of people are dying in the Middle East or when hundreds of people are dying of cancer every day. Do we not play football then? So this thing, as you said, will always be there. And it's not just, it's regardless of the virus, illness will always be there. Conflict in other countries will always be there. People are going to be dying every single second of the day. And the football continues, as it rightly should. Now, obviously, this is a unique case in terms of the way it's hit all of a sudden overnight. And football does have to take a step back to sort of sort of reevaluate what is safe in, in regards to player and fan safety. But look, in my opinion, it could return tomorrow. Is it the right thing to do? Probably not. But yeah, there will, will come a time and I think the time will come soon and look, define what is soon. I would say within the next two to three months, football has to come back regardless. Um, I say regardless, okay, death rates sort of skyrocket, go through the roof, I'll change my opinion. But if it stays the same as now, I think football could definitely return. Um, it's up to a, sort of each each individual opinion to sort of have their thoughts on what is safe and what's unsafe. But um, look, people are dying all over the world for different reasons, and we continue to play football. We continue to go on with our lives as we should. Exactly. So, exactly, um, and that's 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 the exact point I'm making. And I'm not trying to sound insensitive, and I'm sure neither are you. But there's, you're right. There is a point that this has to just crack on with life. The other thing is. So let's talk about this season. I'm keen to see what you think because I think there has to be an end date now where they have to, there has to be a deadline date where they're saying, okay, if we can't start the season here and finish the season here, we just need to call it off because if we start venturing this season into the time frame where next season needs to start, I feel like that's a problem. Because we, we still need to have a transfer window. We're now seeing it, um, you know, in terms of contracts and players coming off contract, that being an issue. So what, what do you think? Because in my opinion, there has to be a hard day and it has to come soon. I think as the landscape changes, so, so, so the, the situation changes every single day. Um, one week it looks like, okay, we we'll sort of turn the corner the next week. There's a bit of a spike in an area or a suburb in England or something and it changes, the opinion changes the perception. So um, I agree it would be ideal to put a date on it. However, I think because the landscape changes so frequently, it, I understand the difficulty of putting a time limit on it. But, um, we'll just but would you that. be comfortable with next season? So this current season, would you be comfortable with the remainder of this season being played in, say, September? Oh, look, you go back into your, your point you made earlier in regards to mental health. Um, we can also, And obviously that's an important issue. 
but we'll sit here and everyone has a little bit of a laugh about, oh, I'm losing my mind without Premier League football, I don't know what to do, I'm depressed, etc. Well, there is a case that I am starting to feel it. You can admit it and say, I am struggling without having... Because Man United's the thing I love. It's my hobby. It's the where I get my bit of escapism. And it's been taken away for a couple of months and it looks like a few extra months. And it is. Football needs to come back because I'm just an individual. Millions of people are in our position all around the world who rely on United or football in general for escapism. And that's good for their health. So at the moment, it's bad for our health that it's not there. So, look, September, that's a long stretch. Um, I'd be... Look, if they could guarantee that, okay, finish the season now and 1st of September, the next season's going to kick off, um, they're 100% guarantee that, they'd probably take it. Um, however, I think it all comes back down to um, a financial decision in regards to what will cost um, the Premier League, the Sky and the clubs in regards to what fine they get for not fulfilling this season's fixtures and what the fine will be for not starting next season's fixtures on time. Um, I don't know in regards to what's a reliable, a reliable sort of news source in regards to what looks like the correct figures. I've heard like the Premier League clubs will look to miss out on a billion pound or the Premier League will miss out on a billion pound if next season doesn't start on time. But again, I don't know what starting on time means. I'm sure there are certain um, delays they could sort of put a, put in place. But um, I think it'll come down to financial um, a financial decision from the Premier League as to whether they make a decision on cutting this season or um, starting next season a little bit later. We shall see. Um, we're, we're going to talk about football. What was the other thing? Okay, we'll move it on from that. Started obviously from the Brighton players. But we'll look, um, and I haven't really got your thoughts. We just sort of touched, we just messaged each other about it, but we didn't get your opinion. Um, the neutral ground debate. Um, it looks as though if the Premier League is to return, that the Premier League have put forward the request to have all the games at a neutral venue. Um, again, I don't know what a neutral venue means. Is it um, sort of, is it Man United can play Man City at Arsenal Stadium and Arsenal can't play at Arsenal's ground? Can Man City have a... Um, a match against Norwich at Man City is that a neutral ground if no one's there because um, what's home ground advantage without the fans so um, but it seemed to have sparked up so much emotion um, so many I think that all the clubs at the bottom it's like the six bottom six or seven clubs have said no they don't want to play at neutral grounds and um, everyone else has said oh what's the point it's going to be behind if it's no stadium if there's no fans in the stadium it shouldn't make a difference but um, it's going to go to a vote apparently I haven't heard too much about it but what's the latest you've heard and do you have a problem with it, or do you think it's sort of unfair? Latest is... Uh, so there's, I think there was about six grounds. Um, so there was Villa Park, Old Trafford, Emirates, Etihad's... Um, I'm, I'm struggling now. Probably Tottenham's uh, in there, probably. Yeah, I think Tottenham was in there. Basically, they, they wanted to nominate a few stadiums that they said were not surrounded by houses though the emirates <laughs> i mean i've been to the emirates and i'm telling you there are houses not too far it's just right down the road but nonetheless um look i don't understand because uh, i obviously you know we've had stephen Housen on this podcast um we're in tune with uh, their fan channels etc and um i've seen people there and uh, elsewhere saying oh you know these clubs are right to say it's unfair that um that football is played in neutral grounds. And I'm just like, hold on, hold on. If there are no fans, there is no advantage to anyone. 
Now, to what you said, that, that's a good point. And if you if they really want to make it fair, let's say Old Trafford is getting used. Okay, if you don't want Manchester United playing at Old Trafford because you have some sort of superstition that it's some sort of advantage because they're used to the grass or something, by all means, let them play somewhere else. But I think it is just purely the clubs at the bottom who are threatened by relegation looking for any sort of excuse to say... This is not how it was before, therefore it is not correct for the season to be completed a different way where we are not playing at our, our home games in our home ground. Just basically looking for an excuse where they can say, no, legal, legal protection right here in case we need it. That's you, all that this is. Do you think that's a case and maybe a little bit of getting my tinfoil hat out, but do you think it's potentially a tactic from those clubs to maybe sort of delay things, delay the situation... And the longer this drags out, the more likely a season is potentially going to be made null and void, therefore saving their Premier League status. Look, you're spot on. Like, this isn't... It's, it's not even a tinfoil hat. The truth is that these sides who are threatened by relegation, they're going to want protection. So how do they get that protection? The, the season gets called null and void. They don't get relegated. It's spot on, Tom. 100%. Well, just there, and, and look, I don't, I don't see the issue with this um, not wanting to play uh, or sort of demanding to be a home game, even though there's going to be no fans. But I'm sure that debate will continue. But another debate that sort of sparked up from that one, and I haven't seen too much of it, but I listened to the BBC radio last night, and they were talking about it. Um, Chris Sutton and Robbie Savage had a debate about it, and it was in regards to the VAR. And that if football returns, it is there's a potential scenario where VAR won't be involved, where VAR won't be used. Now, I think if that's the case, scrap the season now. Because what is there, nine games left, ten games left? I mean, eight or nine games left maybe for some clubs. Um, if you're going to change the rules, and that is a big rule now, because think of how many goals have been allowed or disallowed due to VAR interference, rightly or wrongly, etc. Um, if you take that away now... The, it, look, one of the words that's been thrown about this whole time is sport and integrity. Um, it flies right in the face of that. I think if VAR is not involved, you have to scrap the season. And the stupidity of sort of the thinking behind it is that it'll be hard for the VAR officials in the truck to maintain social distancing. And I'm thinking, are you kidding? You can't get three people in a truck to sit a little bit far away from each other. However, you've got 22 players out on the pitch sweating all over each other. Um, just your thought on this potentially going ahead without VAR? For such a huge organisation, and in fact, the biggest sporting organisation in the world, this is just absolutely nonsensical. This is where I have an issue. Right, And I agree with everything you've said. If you start tampering with how the season has been played in terms of the rules, you can't mess with that. That is the fabric of the game. When you start tampering with things like VAR, when I'm telling you now, Tom, if a club goes down or loses points or they lose a Champions League spot over a VAR decision, I am telling you that opens up a can of worms. The Premier League will not want to touch that. If you're not going to introduce VAR, just call the season from now. Well, that's the thing. And look, everyone's had a bit of banter about it. And like Liverpool fans get rolled up. And look, it's an emotional time for them. I get it. They're on the verge of winning their first Premier League title in God knows how, in 30 years. I can understand they're, sort of, they're getting itchy feet, etc. But 
it's not about banter this asterisk everyone's talking about it's not having a laugh at Liverpool or anything or taken away from what a great season they've had it is just fact if the rules change or they get given a title just by simple fact you have to put an asterisk there just to tell the story that something different happened it's not about taking away their achievement or anything it's just a simple fact that an asterisk needs to be put next to their title if they get one get given it or if it goes ahead and a rule like VAR um, VAR is not involved etc and we play the remainder of the games if the rules change they can't be awarded a sort of a proper title um, as you'd say Hey, I'm all for it. If Liverpool want the title, put an asterisk next to the championship. No dramas. To be honest with you, Tom, and I, I, I think I speak on maybe two-thirds of the United fan base. No one even cares anymore. Give them the title. I'm really not bothered. Yeah, I think it's taken a bit of a shine off it in terms of everything that's happened because they were so close. They were going to win it in about two weekends' time when, when we are playing football. They were very close to winning it. But now, yeah, I think even for them, they've sort of started to shut up a little bit. It's So, yeah, it has taken a bit of a gloss off. But speaking of rules um, and the potential change in rules as well, another one that popped up, um, Vin uh, from Twitter, who's also, also been on the podcast, sent us a, a tweet um, in regards to something to bring up. And he also mentioned the five-sub rule. Um, did you sort of read about that or did you seen that? They were suggesting that when football comes back, increasing the subs from three subs, obviously, to five subs. For me, again, ludicrous. I think that it's just stupid. What's the point? You might as well have play, play five aside. Or, or there was the one a couple of weeks ago that I was saying they were going to reduce the half length. I think maybe 35-minute halves instead of 45. Again, just if you were going to change the rules... You have to scrap the season or put an asterisk next to Liverpool's title. And again, I don't know what you do with relegation then if you change the rules. But just your thoughts, um, just firstly, on the May potential for five subs? You've covered it. Um, It's nonsense. It's just all nonsense. If you... And look, if you give the players a a two-week period where they can do some sort of training, I think that'll be fine. There's no doubt that, look, injuries will always be a part of the game. I understand all of that. If you give these guys a mini-season, they're professional enough to say, and look, I'm sure they've been training, keeping up their nutrition, and it's up to the clubs to make sure that they're keeping on top of the players with some sort of guidance. But you'd think with a mini-season, like we've seen with the NRL here, um, they've been given a oh, about four weeks before the um, NRL is meant to restart, so... Um, look, I think two weeks is plenty. You give these guys a mini preseason, and I'm sure they're good to go. And well, that'll be enough for three subs. That's the you, you look. You do have to get the players back in terms of some type of match fitness, and you do need to give them time. However, everyone's in the same starting the same starting spot. I think okay, players will get rewarded if they've been working hard. They'll get the rewards. They'll be fitter than the rest. If someone hasn't been working at home, they're going to be less fit. So I think this thing once once everyone's back and once it's safe to go. They should be able to go because everyone's from the same starting, the same um, starting spot. So um, this thing again, yes, I do understand giving them a pre-season. You do want to get them fit to avoid injury. However, I think well, my point is more in regards to a competition fitness point of view in regards to how many subs are allowed in terms of, okay, this team will be disadvantaged, so you have to allow them to have uh, two extra players um, to help. But if everyone is at the same fitness level, which you'd think they should be if they're doing their work at home, um, shouldn't make a difference, um, in my opinion. 
But um, is there anything else Premier League related that we've missed out on or anything to touch on before we go on to United stuff? Nope. All good. Okay, now last week I think we were talking about Agalo ready to sign a new seven-year contract at Man United. However, news since has come out that Shanghai expect him to return when his loan finishes at United. It, it does look as though he, his loan will be extended um, to finish the season. However, again, we don't know what a finish to the season looks like. But when that loan deal does finish, Shanghai, his obviously parent club, do expect him to return. Um, do you see this as just a bit of a slow news day and just they got a bit of news out there? Or would you see it from Shanghai's point of view in wanting to get him back? Or just your general thoughts on it? I personally don't think Shanghai want him back. I, it, look, it, it's the age-old rule. You have to act like you want the player so yeah. his value stays high. I think this is purely a power play from Shanghai to say, if you want him, you got to pay for him. Otherwise, we want him back. They can't just say, yeah, no worries. Manchester United, off you go. It, it's understandable. There's going to be a negotiation. I, honestly, I, I definitely expect him to be a United player on a permanent basis. I really do. Yeah, no, the, the more I think about it and whether he's the right player or not, that's another debate. But the more I think about the situation we find ourselves in, he finds himself in, all the clubs find themselves in, I think it's a no-brainer now that, OK, we, we have a striker there who wants to play for the club. <laughs> Let's have him. Um, I think it's just, a, I wouldn't say a match made in heaven, but um, I think it's a no-brainer to keep him now. Um, and I pretty much share your views there that... It's um, Shanghai almost, yeah, just protecting their asset a little bit. Now, just the, the only other bit of United news that really sort of popped up, and I'm not sure um, where it came from, but um, LVG found a uh, microphone somewhere and had an interview and um, had a few, you'd say, uh, define them as harsh words against his old mate, Ed Woodward. Um, the one line that definitely springs to mind or, or stood out was that he's an evil genius. In reg- that's obviously Van Hal speaking on in regards to Ed Woodward. And he's, sort of he was talking about how he felt he was, from that December period where he had that very rocky Christmas period, that he played the rest of the season with a noose around his neck, that he knew he was going to get sacked, but Ed Woodward was just stringing him along, string, stringing him along without confirming it. And he always knew that Jose Mourinho was going to come in. And obviously that's no way for a manager to sort of perform at their best level. So, um, you're, look, we, we did that David Moyes podcast last week, and we're obviously going to do one on Van Hal's time, which we'll obviously cover in a lot more depth. But just your thoughts generally on sort of Van Hal's, I wouldn't say outburst, but Van Hal's interview and sort of Woodward's treatment of him? I think Van Hal, much like all of us, is a little bit bored, um, has a few random thoughts across his mind. Like, look, the other day I was thinking about the burger I ate three years ago on this day. Maybe Van Gaal was thinking on this day four years ago, what could have been? Um, look, in all seriousness, I don't think Edward were treating him right. I think it was classless. I thought it was disrespectful considering whatever you thought of Van Gaal's football, you know, you just you don't get rid of a manager and he finds out the day before, um, the day after, rather, he's won the FA Cup that he is out the door. Like I agree, it's poor treatment. However, Van Gaal just needs to move on, with all due respect. I mean, how many years ago was this now, Tom? Are we, we're talking four years ago now? Yeah, coming under, he's got sacked in, when we win the FA Cup, 15, 16. 2016? So, yeah. yeah. So, it's got to move on. Time 
Seriously. Uh, we'll definitely get into that. Um, kind of look forward to it. That David Moyes podcast we did was obviously just that one sort of disastrous season. However, under Van Hal, as boring as it got, sometimes we often forget that it was actually two seasons he was there. Um, it might have felt like a season because um, he eventually got the sack. But um, it was obviously two seasons, obviously getting in the top four the first one and missing out the second time. However, obviously winning a trophy in his last game. So um, I'm looking forward to that Van Hal podcast. Um, anything else on the big man or any other United news springs to mind for you before we wrap up? No, there's nothing of note, unfortunately. Look, let's just let's wait and see because uh, I think this project restart is um, due to kick off any minute now. So we'll stay tuned, Tom. Um, hopefully we'll have a better idea of what, where, if any football is coming back, but probably not, let's be honest. Yeah, so again, for everyone who's listening, um, by the time you've listened to this, you've probably heard what the Premier League has come out with or what they are thinking. So look, hopefully we are closer to football, but I wouldn't be holding my breath. But um, thank you for listening, and we'll probably do this maybe once a week as well. Maybe the next podcast will be solely United, but maybe next Monday we'll look at the whole Premier League, and maybe there might be a few sort of more transfer rumours in regards to other clubs. Um, obviously, the Bundesliga will be returning. We'll try and is that this Saturday, Larry? Yeah, I yeah, they're due to kick off this Saturday. And does I forget of sort of, Saturday our time? I should say yeah, Friday um, in the in, the, um, in Europe. Does Foxtel have the Bundesliga? I forget. I've always watched me football on Optus now. I'm trying to think, I think if... they do, you know. Yeah, but no, I, I think, think the Bundesliga, yeah. On being sports. So, um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to maybe set up a Zoom call and watch um, Dortmund v Schalke um, and pretend we're the only two fans in the crowd. Works for me. <laughs> okay, it's a date on Saturday night with me and Larry. Uh, feel free to join us on a Zoom call. Send us your number. Um, and again we'll chat to you um, later in the week hopefully a bit more about United hopefully a bit of news drops and something to talk about but um, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast and make sure you give it a like on whatever platform you listen to us Um, if you can give us a rating that would make myself and Larry extremely happy and um, yeah hopefully you all have a good week at work or if you're getting back to work and we will chat to you again on Thursday or Friday alright cheers Bye. Cheers.